Amen. Praise God. Well, touch your neighbor and say, it's time for a sermon. Touch your second choice neighbor and say, you are my second choice. (laughs) Open your Bible, if you would, to John chapter number four. John chapter number four. We're in the middle of a series called Face to Face, which if we break it down, is really a series about prayer. It's about why we have the opportunity to pray, why we have the responsibility to pray, uh, what we ought to pray, how we ought to pray, when we ought to pray, and why we ought to pray. Prayer is one of the things in your life that will change you completely. So I'm going to do a brief recap. If anybody's been, if y'all have been here the last few weeks, this is going to be a recap. This is just going to kind of catch everybody up. In the very beginning, there was Adam and Eve who had no sin. They walked right next to God, and then all of a sudden they sinned, and there became a chasm between them and God. They became unclean, could no longer touch a clean God because they would make him dirty. They would mess him up. He would no longer be righteous if something unrighteous touched him. Therefore, God instituted the greatest rescue plan in all of creation, which is his son, Jesus Christ, to come and live a sinless life after being born of a virgin. So his father's actually God, our father, uh, to be born of a virgin, live a sinless life down across for our sins, raised from the dead for our victory. And now you and me get to say yes to Jesus, which is all great. But there's also an old covenant, an old testament that, sh- that constantly, ever and always kind of shows us a diagram of who Jesus is going to be. He- it's, if you've been in church a long time, we use terms like the types and shadows of Jesus. So if we look at Exodus 33 and verse number 21, we see there's a place, there's a guy named Moses who was a deliverer for the Israelites that got really close to God. If you look at Moses, he's always a type and shadow of Jesus. He's a type and shadow of a pastor. He's a type and shadow of a leader of God's people. And he said unto God, he said, I want to get close to you. I want to see you because God is a spirit. We can't see him all the time. That's why Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe because the disciples had the luxury of seeing Jesus And they still doubted, but Jesus said, you and me have never laid eyes on Jesus. Now, some of you may have had a vision or something. I'm not trying to knock anything like that or make light of it. But generally speaking, we do not see God face to face the way Adam and Eve did in the garden. So Moses said, I want to see you. And Moses says, and God says to Moses, you can't see me because you're not clean. If you were clean, you could get close to me, but you're not. If you get close to me, you're going to die. So he said to him, he says, listen, there's a place beside me and you can stand on a rock. Now that rock we found to be Christ Jesus. The way we know it's Christ Jesus is quite simple. It's because whenever Jesus asked the disciples, says, who do men say that I am? They said, well, you're a prophet. Uh, some say that you're Elijah. Uh, nobody's really sure exactly who you are. And then he said to him, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter stood up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And when he said that, Jesus said to him, he said, now, wait a minute. The only way you could have known that Peter is to have been told by my father, my dad, had to have revealed that to you. Therefore, uh, because God has revealed this fact to you, I will tell you the rest of the story. The rest of the story is that that you just said, the fact that I am Christ, the Son of God, is the rock that I'm going to build my church on. So he says, I am the rock. Now, we've realized that Jesus is the rock after Moses found out that he had an opportunity to stand on the rock. Verse 22 says this, it says... And it shall come to pass when my glory passes by, meaning when you get in the presence of God, that I will put you in the cliff of the rock and I will cover you with my hand when I pass by. That's God telling Moses, I will place you on the inside of the rock that you're standing on. You and me stand on the fact that Jesus is in fact the Christ, the Son of the living God. And God miraculously, whenever you say yes to Jesus, like some of you did this morning for the first time, uh, when you say yes to Jesus, he puts you on the inside of Christ and now you are in fact clothed 
clothed in righteousness. You are robed in righteousness and you can come before the throne just like you were Jesus because when God looks at you, he doesn't see you anymore. He sees the righteousness of God in Christ that you are clothed in. Amen? So that's where we are now. Now we're in Christ. So we understand that we should pray. James 5 and uh, 16 says this. It says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous availeth much. Now, uh, that's King James. I personally like King James. What I grew up reading is what I grew up memorizing. So I just typically start there when I'm studying. I study several different translations. But that's where I start. But if we look at that in a a classic 2014 vernacular, it would sound like this. The constant active prayer of somebody who is righteous, that would be you and me because we're in Christ, of somebody who is righteous is overwhelmingly strong. So you and me, we're not like Adam uh, and Eve in the beginning of the sinless. We were born into sin. We had, to be, we had to stand on the rock. God put us in the rock. Now we can get close to God. Now we can be uh, our unrighteousness is clothed in his righteousness so we can get close to the King of kings. Lord of glory, we can go to the Father. And what should we do with this authority? We should pray and pray actively and constantly because the prayers of us who are enveloped in the rock of Christ is an overwhelmingly strong thing. So that's why we ought to pray. How do you pray? Well, uh, Corey Ten Boom said it like this. Set an appointment with God. And here's my favorite part. Set an appointment with God and keep it. Everybody sets an appointment with the doctor. Set an appointment with the dentist. Set an appointment with the nail salon. Set an appointment with the mechanic. Set an appointment everywhere you go. But with the creator of the universe who saved your soul, who put you in the cleft of the rock in Christ Jesus, told you come in his throne room anytime you want and request anything from him and he'll give it to you. This God whom we serve, we don't schedule time to be with him. Now we pick up. That's all a recap. Are y'all ready? Everybody breathe. Say, ah, at least for me. That was a mouthful. Two ways you get close to somebody. Number one. You get close to somebody by going through something traumatic with them. By going through something heavy. By going through something that that changes you. Uh, Think about a a soldier on the battlefield. When they go through a a war or a battle or a tough time with, with a brother or sister in arms, from that standpoint and from that moment on, it doesn't matter if 30 years passes, doesn't matter if 100 years passes, when they get in the room together again, there is something that it binds them together because they went through something that was overwhelmingly traumatic. Number two, time. Go through something overwhelmingly traumatic or time. I can give example after example about the traumatic times. One would be like a Navy SEAL. Uh, They go through overwhelming training. I do not want to be a Navy SEAL. I do not want to get in the ocean. I watched Shark Week last week. I'm not even sure I want to swim in a pool. Everything about being a Navy SEAL does not appeal to me. I don't want to get drowned. They tie these guys' hands. I have personal friends who are seals. They tie these guys' hands behind their back and they hold them underwater until they pass out. And then they bring them to the surface and they resuscitate them. I quit. They bring them up, resuscitate them, and then they say, do you want to quit? And they go, it's a different breed. Praise God we've got them. But here's the scenario. It's not just so they find their limit. They put uh, sandbags on their shoulders and big logs on their shoulders and they make them run miles and miles and miles in the sand 
with clothes on that are sopping wet and boots that are sopping wet from the ocean. So they've got sand and salt and everything else. And they're carrying these huge boats and, and stuff. And it, it pushes them to their absolute dead level max. They have one week they call hell week. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Except it's cold. Real hell is going to be hot. So these Navy SEALs, they go through this, and it's not just so each one of them finds their limit and goes past it and realizes what they can accomplish. It's so they go through it with the guy next to them. Because when you go through something dramatic, traumatic, or overwhelmingly intense together, something binds you to that person. Something takes you to another level in your relationship with that person. So when it comes to God and traumatic times come because they will, when when trying times come because they will, listen, you've got to stick with him and not try to get away from him. You can get closer to God in a difficult time than a lot of times we can on a mountaintop. But there's only two ways to get close to anybody. You've got the traumatic side, then you've got the time. And if you look at time, uh, it's a very interesting thing. Uh, uh, you know, you get married. Uh, Christianity is always defined as, you know, uh, Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. So it's always defined as a marriage. And uh, 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 in marriage, if you start having a good relationship, you're going to have to have two things, time and communication. Time and communication. You're going to have to be able to communicate in a way that the other person understands. You're going to have to be able to communicate in a way and in a timeliness that other people understand. I, for one, I study marriage all the time because it's very important to me to be married. I really like my wife. I don't just love her. I I really enjoy being around her. I value the relationship. Some people love their truck more than they love their wife. Now, they've never said, I love my truck more than my wife, but they read uh, 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 Jeg's magazine, which is like a, like a, where you buy carburetors and stuff like that from, like crazy, all the time, boom, boom, boom. And you read about, you know everything there is to know about a Flowmaster, which is a muffler. You know everything you know about Mickey Thompson tires. You know everything there is to know about a paint job and how to get a ghost flame just right down the side of it. But you couldn't tell uh, the five things that your wife likes if you had to. Whoops. Some people, nobody here, value other things more than they value other. The way you know what you value is time. I know people that are broke. I mean, broke. But they still have time to get to the golf course. I'm like, dude, how did you pay the green fee? You told me you can't pay your truck note and you're out here playing golf. You will make time for what you care about. The only way to get close to somebody is communication and time. Two of the top ten reasons for divorce in America today. Communication and time. You have one over here saying, well, I just wish he'd do this, 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 and this. You've got another one over here saying, I wish she'd do this, 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 and this. And they're this close together, yet worlds apart. Can't communicate. It's one of the killers of relationships. Time. 
You know, we used to make time for one another, but now with the kids, soccer and volleyball and, and, and pinochle and, and hopscotch and, and, and everything else that we're doing. Plus, i got to go to the grocery store and I'm working 17 jobs. And Listen, you got to make time. I don't mean to be too direct on a Sunday morning, but you got to make time. It's not a maybe kind of deal. You've got to make time for what you are concerned about. Like I said, I don't particularly, and this is kind of a secret, I don't particularly like reading marriage books. I like my wife. I don't particularly like reading about, you know, uh, uh, what makes a woman tick. I really don't. I'll be honest with you. But I love my wife. Nowadays, you don't even have to read. You can get a book on a CD. You can go to a marriage conference. You can watch TV. A thousand different things you can do. But but the reality is, is the only way you get close to somebody, number one, is something traumatic. Number two, communication and time. By the way, the number one cause of divorce in America, anybody know what it is? Financial stress. And not financial stress as the cause, how you deal with financial stress. Because... Another statistic that's interesting is 90% of all Americans are in some kind of a money crisis right now. Right now. How you deal with it, guys. A lot of times we want to just handle everything. Or, or, or mom, if you take care of the checkbook, a lot of times you just want to handle everything. Let's get together on it. Let's find a way to get from where we are to where we're going. Find some resources. Dave Ramsey's is a good one. But let's put some value on our relationships. Communication and time. Another traumatic uh, thing that kind of shocked me, so to speak, is uh, when a lady gets pregnant. We've had three children. I've been to the doctor with, with Crystal a bajillion times because you go to the doctor like every two days when you're pregnant. And, uh, you know, if you don't... If, anyway, so, so I, I, I remember sitting in uh, waiting rooms and, and Crystal will be pregnant. So when, when it's funny because when, when you're not pregnant, you, you know, you suck it in. Not, you, you suck it in. But when you're pregnant, you know, you, you bow it out. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody wants to, everybody, when you're pregnant, everybody wants, everybody wants to know I'm pregnant, which I think is cool. So women walk in and they could be like two minutes pregnant or two months pregnant or two weeks pregnant. You know, barely pregnant. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> barely pregnant. We do not record this one, guys, just for the record. You cannot find this on the internet ever. So, so when you get pregnant, you just barely pregnant. You're like, wham, you know, you're sticking it out there and you're trying to show everybody. And you walk into the waiting room and you're at the, you're at the, 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 the lady doctor. So, so the bulk of the people in there are pregnant. And, 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 and you know, you're sitting here and, and the other pregnant people are sitting here. And, and you give that, yeah, I'm pregnant, you're pregnant look like, and then you look down at your stomach like you can see the baby, you know, like they do all the time, you know. And, and there's this knowing between the ladies. Am I crazy? Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's this knowing between the ladies. They're like, yep, me too. <laughs> Hadn't slept in a month, you know, that kind of thing. But, but the traumatic experience that you're going through, which whether you believe it or not, uh, having a baby is pretty traumatic. I was there for all three. It's traumatic. So, uh, uh. You sit there, and you're, you're looking across, and, and then I was always really amazed at what one lady would share with another lady who she had never met. So we're sitting there one time, and 
they started talking. It wasn't Crystal, by the way. But these two ladies walked in. They sat down beside each other. They're both holding their stomach, you know. And, and they're sitting there. And this, you know, it, it's like they don't know I'm there, I guess. I don't know. But they start talking about going to the restroom. And, and started off with number one. And then they just kept going. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, they've got to know each other. They, this got, they must have got pregnant the same. They probably grew up together. And, and they call one of them's name to go to the doctor. And she goes, it was nice to meet you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she just told her all that and she's never even met. But the traumatic experience had bound them together. Had put them in, in, a, in a knowing together. Sometimes you and me, we go through things. And we need to cling to God closer because this is our greatest opportunity to get closer to Him. When you're sick, you get to find out He's the healer. When times get tough, you get to really find out that He's the God that supplies your needs according to His riches and glory. Traumatic opportunities give us opportunities to get closest to God. John chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 4. A little background of this. Jesus is going uh, from Judea up to Galilee. And he's with his disciples. And he says, you know, I've got to go through Samaria. Now on a map, uh, the straightest distance was probably through Samaria, depending on uh, which part of uh, uh, Judea he was in. But but generally speaking, Jews didn't go through Samaria. They kind of saw Samaria as as outcasts. Everybody remember the parable of the good Samaritans? Everybody remember that? Wave at me if you remember that. Two people, good. Okay, so they remember uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The reason the parable of the Good Samaritan makes sense and is amazing is because everybody thought Samaritans were outcasts and stuff. So when the priest walked by and the Levite walked by, which a Levite was like a helper in the temple, when they walked by and they didn't help the person who had been robbed and was bleeding to death on the side of the street, and the Samaritan did, it kind of opened their eyes to say, wow, there's some good that can come from almost anywhere. So the Bible says that Jesus is on his way to Galilee, and he says, I've got to go through Samaria. I've got to go through this place that none of the other Jews want to go through. So he goes and the Bible says that the, uh, his disciples went before him. They went ahead of him and went on to town to go and buy some supplies, to buy some meat. And Jesus went to a, a, a well and he sits down by this well about noon and this lady walks up and he says to her, he says, uh, hey, w- w- would you get me some water to drink? And she looks at him, realizing he's a Jew, and actually realizing he's a rabbi because the way he dressed. She, she looks at him and said, you know, you, you Jews, you, you guys won't drink after me. You, you don't even have a bucket. How, how are you going to drink after me? See, the disciples had gone before Jesus, so odds are they had a bucket. You know, when we see uh, old, uh, old Testament movies and Bible movies and stuff, usually you see like Jesus walking with 12 guys, and nobody's got anything in their hand. And I'm like, What? If you walk across the desert, which a lot of that area over there is very desert, you got to have some stuff with you. So they took their supplies with them. They would have taken a bucket that they could draw water from. They would have taken, you know, some bed rolls in case they needed to sleep because it was a long walk. They would have had stuff with them. So the disciples probably had the water bucket. That's what most uh, historians believe. So this lady is looking at him saying, Jesus, you know, you, you or she might not know his name yet. She said, you wouldn't drink after me if you had to. What are you talking about? Well, I get you some water. Why would I get you some water? You wouldn't drink any water out of the bucket that I use. This doesn't make any sense. And Jesus says something to him that is very, uh, very interesting. Verse 10, he says this. He said, if you knew who you were talking to, 
and who it was that said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, you would ask me, and he and I would have given you living water. Number one, I want to look at one thing. He says, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who I was, can I just say this? Jesus is really the only person authorized to talk like that. So if somebody treats you bad and your knee-jerk response is, do you know who I am? Can we just get over that? Because there's people that don't know Jesus that are looking at us as the representative of who Jesus is. And if we walk around all the time going, do you even know who I am? I'm so saved, it's not even funny. You just burnt my holy ears. Does that make sense? Jesus is the only person authorized to talk like this. So he says, if you knew who I was, if you knew you were talking to the Lord of glory, the King of kings, I'm the one I saw the devil thrown from heaven. My daddy flung stars in the sky. I am it. I am the word made flesh. I'm the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If you had any idea who you were talking to, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you a drink of living water. Verse 11, the woman says, sir, you don't even have a bucket. You don't have anything to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence, uh, from, from whence then have you brought this living water? Where are you going to bring living water from? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank thereof himself, his children and his cattle? Uh, the, Jacob used to, used, to drink, he used to drink water from this well and his kids and his cattle. Are you bigger than Jacob? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob became Israel. Uh, Israel had the son named Joseph. Joseph is the one who goes to uh, Egypt, becomes the prime minister of Egypt. He's the one who supplies for his brothers in the middle of a drought. And then there was the Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph's the one that enslaved the Israelites, that got the Israelites captive, which is why Moses came to Israel 400 years later and uh, uh, rose up out of, out of Egypt 400 years later to deliver the Israelites out of it. Do you think you're bigger than the guy whose name, uh, who we call the, the country, this area called Israel? Are you bigger than Jacob? She's a little bit informed. How many of you guys know somebody that's got enough information about Christianity to stab you with it, but they really don't know the rest of the story? How many of you have people that said, why you give your money to that church? How many of you have people go, oh, I've heard about people like you. You decide you're not going to watch a movie because it crosses some line of conviction with you. And by the way, let's have some lines. So you, you decide you're not going to watch a movie or whatever, and somebody knows enough scripture to stab you with it and go, Jesus ate with sinners. And you're like, uh, I don't know what to say. That's what she was. She's like, are you greater than Jacob? Are you... Greater than the one who gave this well to his son. He actually gave the well to Joseph later. History says, Jesus answered said to her, whoever drinks this water won't thirst again. What he did was he just kept on keeping on in the face of a barb. That's what you and I have to do. But whoever drinks the water that I give, he'll never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman says to him, Sir, give me this water. I thirst that I thirst not. Neither cometh here to draw. Let me tell you what Jesus just said. I'm going to give you some water and you're not going to get thirsty. I'm going to give you some water and you're going to have eternal 
life. Ponce de Leon looked for the fountain of youth, spent everything he had, almost every man he had, looking for the fountain of youth. People have been looking for the fountain of youth from the beginning of time. How can I live forever? What can I do to live eternal? How can I do it? Jesus says to her, he says, you won't get thirsty and you're going to live forever. And the only thing she hears is you mean I won't get thirsty and I don't have to come to this stupid well anymore? She didn't even hear the eternal life part. All she heard was, I don't have to come to this well anymore. Now let's backtrack for just a minute because Jesus was an interesting guy. He said, I must needs go to Samaria. So instead of going with his disciples uh, a little bit ahead, he goes to Samaria and he's sitting there at the well, uh, Jacob's well, and he's sitting there and this lady walks out about noon, the Bible says. Now I have chickens and goats. If you come to this church, you'll probably hear a lot about my chickens and goats. If y'all don't know, uh, our goats are crazy. They're pygmy goats. One's name's Baseball. And one's name's Jewel. I can tell them apart because one has a blue collar, one has a pink collar. But they look identical. They're black. They got horns. They're tiny. They run around. They hop around. They're a trip, man. They'll climb trees. I watched one of them, no joke, jump out of a tree, out of a limb. I'm not exaggerating. It was taller than where that, the top of that TV. I'm like, goat, you are crazy. It's just like, Bleh. So Crystal, when she goes out there, they follow her around like crazy. So, so they have a pen, which is about as big as this stage. And, and, and then we let them out during the day. And, and they're, they're pets to us. They just, they just stay around the house. They're crazy. They're crazy goats, man. So uh, we let them out and they go around. And sometimes they get out on their own because they're crazy. And, 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 and like last night, it was like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and... Chris said, the goats are out. And I'm like, oh. Because if they've already eaten, it can be difficult to get them in the pen. If they have not eaten, you can shake the food bucket. They run in there and just dump the food in there and they eat. So I go out there and I start walking over and I'm whistling like they're going to come, you know. Shook the food, they go in there. But the interesting thing about our goats and our chickens is we don't have a water hose close to the goat pen or the chicken pen. So we have to haul water to both. Now, now goats, they're funny. But chickens, if you didn't know, are gross. I mean gross. They eat everything off the ground, you know, and they get their, their, their beak all dirty. And then they drink water with their beak, which cleans their beak which means their water is dirty all the time. So we've got to clean their water thingy all the time. And I'm like, man, we ought to just eat these chickens. And then the, one of the kids will walk out holding that chicken. Daddy, I love this chicken. I'm like, I do too, baby. I'm lying, y'all. <laughs> Those chickens. Chris was like, but they give us eggs. I'm like, the store sells eggs. I don't know how much we pay in chicken food, but I think each egg is about $3 for us, if I had to guess. And if I'm paid by the hour when it comes to hauling water, it's like $4.50 an egg. But hauling water is not fun. I'm going to get a hose, maybe trench something out there sometime. But 
what I found in, in hauling water is I, I used to just haul a bucket at a time, and, and then I got like an Ozark, a five-gallon bucket thing for the, for, the, for the goats. So it's really heavy, and I can carry it. Oh, but I prefer to just sit it on the golf cart. We have a golf cart. So I sit on the golf cart, drive it over to the house, put a water hose in it, drive it back, take it out, fill it up, whatever. What I'm trying to say is we've gotten pretty good at hauling water. can also say golf cart, no golf cart. I don't haul water at noon. It's hot. So historians believe that this lady, because it wasn't an uncommon thing to have to haul water then. They didn't have plumbing like we do. Historians believe that the fact that she was at the well at noon indicates that she was an extreme outcast. We're going to find out in just a minute. A lot of you already know the story. We're going to find out in just a minute that she'd been very promiscuous. She was probably an extreme outcast and probably used to come get her water at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning with everybody else when it was nice and cool. But she just probably got tired of hearing what people said about her. There's that lady again. There's that one. There's the one nobody wants to be around. And maybe they didn't say it. Maybe she just felt it. Because you can kind of feel how people really think about you. Maybe she just got tired of it. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're just tired of it. Fill in the blank. You're tired of having to put on the mask every day and smile when you don't want to smile and laugh when you don't want to laugh and and agree when you don't want to agree and do what you don't want to do. You're just living this life with with this mask that keeps you productive, but you're not everything God has created you to be and you know it. what she was. Well, well, I love the fact that, that though it wasn't commonplace, Jesus, the one who you and I love, he said this, I've got to go to Samaria. He gets there and he says, give me a drink. She says, you wouldn't drink after me. He goes, if you didn't know who you're talking to, you'd get living water and, and, and you wouldn't get thirsty and you'd live forever. And she doesn't even care about the live forever part right now. She's just going, you mean I wouldn't have to come here and sweat it at noon and have the sun beat down on me because I'm too ashamed to come at six o'clock when it's a reasonable time for me to go. Do you mean I don't have to do that anymore? I don't, I don't have to take that step again. Jesus says to her, he says, go get your husband and come here in verse 16. The woman said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said you don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands and he whom you now have, the guy you're with now that you're living with, is not your husband either. You've said a truth. In the Greek there, when he said, in that says thou truly, it's really like Jesus saying, that is honest. And the first step you've got to take of living life face to face with God is being honest about who you are and what you need. 
He knows how many hairs are on your head. He's developed plans for you. He has a purpose for your life. He's not going to throw a lightning bolt at you. If he was going to, he already would have. He wants to help you. He must needs go to Bryan College Station. He has to get where you are. The scripture is filled with examples where Jesus is doing everything he can to get to somebody in need. At one point, he walked on water to get to a boat filled with his disciples. Another part, after he rose from the dead, he literally just came through a wall, the Bible said, and showed up in their midst to get to where they are. He's trying to get to you all the time. I can imagine her sitting there saying, I'm just, I'm just, I, I don't want to come here anymore. I'm, I'm so ridiculed. I, 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 I messed up. He said, well, go tell your husband. Maybe she was wearing a wedding ring because here's the deal. When God asks you a question or says something to you, he's not trying to prove that he knows it. He's trying to see, are you going to be honest? Are you playing games with me or do you really want to change? Are you playing tiddlywinks? Or do you want to change? Because I've got a whole nation over here that, that, that every time they come to me, they come to me telling me what they've done or what they haven't done. But none of them are being honest and they don't realize I know the end from the beginning. I know everything in between. I am not slack in any way. And the moment they get honest is the moment I can help them. He says, go get your husband. Maybe there was something about her that identified that she was trying to act married. Maybe she got tired of being ridiculed. I used to work with this lady at Home Depot and these guys hit on her all the time. So she went and bought a cheap wedding ring just to stop them from hitting on her. Maybe she was just tired of it. So Jesus says to her, go get your husband. And she goes, I, I, I don't really have a husband. Jesus says, yes, I can work with that. The minute you tell God, I realize I don't have my temper under control. The minute you tell God, I, I, I realize I, I haven't been as kind to my husband as, as I'd really like to be. The minute you come to God and you say, I don't know that I'm the parent. I, I want to be, but, but, I, but I don't know if I'm doing everything you want. But I want to. Now all of a sudden God goes, that I can work with. See, for some of us, we, we have to wear a mask and, and we have to you know, keep putting it on day after day. And that's the way it is. I get it. You know, I, I, I'm a pastor and I still got to put a mask on. Sometimes I don't like being nice. My wife does all the time. My wife is like an angel. Sometimes I just want to flip out. But I'm a Christian. I'm in the rock. I'm clothed in Christ. I'm a representative of who He is. He told us to be salt to the earth. Salt makes something taste better. 
So we put it on. But when you're with Him, when you're sitting in His presence, when you've set the appointment, you've kept the appointment, and you're praying, get off the religious rhetoric and tell Him what you need. Let go of the problems that you're carrying around and quit acting like you can somehow hide a truth to Him because you cannot. You'll find that His greatest desire is to help you at your greatest need. I must needs go to Samaria. There's a lady there I think will be honest and honesty when she removes the mask. That I can help with. The lady stands up and says, Oh my goodness gracious, I perceive that you're a prophet. Well, if somebody reads your mail that clean, it's pretty easy to tell they're a prophet. But it was the fact that she was willing to be honest with the king of kings that gave her the opportunity to access her next step. Stand to your feet if you would, please. I'm done teaching. This life is filled with so many different opportunities. We, we can do this, we can do that, we can talk to this person, not talk to this person. But, but, but time and time and time and time again, we, we, we somehow neglect the opportunity to have a face-to-face relationship with God. And with God, it's no different than anybody else. The only way that you really get to know Him is communication and time. Communication and time. And then when you take the time to communicate, get the mask off. I know you've got to wear a mask to me. I get it. I've got a few people in my life that can take it off in front of me. There's a few people in my life I can completely take it off in front of them. Jesus had hundreds of people that followed him everywhere he goes. He had 12 that he called his disciples. He had three that he took to the Mount of Transfiguration. And he had one, the Bible says, that Jesus loved. Relationships always have levels. Just because somebody says, I'm a Christian, don't tell them all your business. There's people in your life you can take your mask off with. But you'll only know who that person really is or those people really are with time and communication. There's the last point I want to make. The minute you do, the minute you take that mask off, that's when you get to the living water. That's when you find, I was going for natural water. Some of you today... Maybe you came here and said, man, I'm just looking for a good church. I'm just hoping something, you know, whatever. It's Sunday morning, I'm supposed to go to church. And you were like, I'm just going to get some natural water. I'm just going to find a place to sit. I want to get built up a little bit. But somehow, supernaturally, something went off on your inside. And you said, wow, I've been touched today. That's living water. Springs up on the inside of you. It comes from the water of the Word, the Bible says. And the minute you take the mask off, you have an opportunity to receive. Amen. Amen. God Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.